Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in Chile, Missoula, Montana. And this is about the time where I'm going to start really, really envying the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Lebanowitz, because Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the Sunshine State of Florida. Stone, a little chill in the air today here in Montana. Yeah, going to really start maybe cussing you under my breath every time I have to say from now on that you're in the Sunshine State of Florida. Dude. All right, and I'll make sure to send you pictures, not every single week, but every single day when that sun comes out and it's nice 84 over here. I'll make sure to send a picture your way no big deal labanowitz lives in a place that has a climate that's fit for human habitation sometimes i'm not sure <laughs> that i still do well stun it was a very interesting week last week right i think we learned some things we got an awful lot of games to get to in a short time to get there let's just get to it number one south dakota state 41 illinois state 20 stone this was another dominant performance by the number one team in fcs football jack rabbits rolled up 547 yards of total offense yeah and 374 of them on the ground they're no stranger to doing that this is their 19th consecutive victory dating back to last season. They're 5-0, 2-0 in the Valley. This team's dangerous. That's no secret to anybody. Jack's roll. Number three, Idaho, 42, Cal Poly, 14. No problem for the Vandals in their first ever trip to Cal Poly. Yeah, that's right. Scoring 21 points in the second quarter. End up finishing this game with 42 points. Idaho doing what they do best, and that's getting up there on the scoreboard and uh, doing it on the stat sheet as well. Hayden Hatton didn't even have that kind of day, but skill-wise, offensively, they just do so many different things things and it's hard to really keep them intact so idaho rolls 42 points against a cal poly team you love to see it and the vandals are a threat well man you mentioned it the stat sheet wasn't all that impressive right but you look up and it's still got 42 points so that is something that tells me that this idaho team can get it done in a whole lot of different ways and they have two huge home games with both of the montana schools the next two weeks more on that later number four Furman, 28 citadel 14 well stone one thing i can tell you Furman knew that they were in a football game here no homer and the Bulldogs looked like a Division I football team at times. They showed us some grit. They showed some fight. They looked like a Citadel team. I couldn't agree more. I think when you see the 28-0 lead in the third quarter, you're starting to question a little bit what Citadel's able to do here. But then they rattled off 14 themselves and had this thing interesting. An onside kick attempt got it all mucked up and all funny here late in the game, which I think was the goal for Citadel coming out of the locker room in the second half. And they did just that. They put a lot of good things on tape, a lot of things to look forward to. They got a big one next week. But I know you did. But myself, personally, I loved what I saw from the Citadel. And I think eh, it raised some red flags for Furman. I don't want to quite call them red flags, but at least raise their eyebrows a little bit and I think for other coaches around the subdivision when you turn on the tape there are some things to take away from this that now we would call weaknesses for the purple you know I would have a tendency to agree with you but Furman is never going to be a flashy team Stone this is not a team that's going to put up 50 they're going to be solid on both sides of the ball and you're going to look up when that final gun is fired and go how did we just get beat by two touchdowns that's who they are and who they are in a nutshell is quarterback Tyler Huth completed 19 balls for 146 yards and a touchdown with a couple of INTs, and he's important to them throwing the ball, but he also gained 94 yards on the ground. He is a difference maker. He is tough. He will put his head down and get those tough yards. Tyler Huff is the epitome of that Furman football team, and they're not going to wow you. Like I said, all they're going to do is beat you. Number five, Western Carolina. 
52, number 17, Chattanooga, 50. What a game. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start, right? This was a cracker from start to finish. Had fireworks going left and right, not the first quarter, not the second quarter, not the third quarter, but the fourth quarter. There was just so much going on in this game. The thing that I took away from it and the thing that we've known all season long and definitely up until this point is Western Carolina and what they're able to do offensively. It almost seems like they can score at will. I think the question marks have officially been raised on that defense because there are other teams in the subdivision that are more, I don't want to call it well-rounded, but more efficient than Chattanooga. When these teams find themselves ahead of Western Carolina, I think they're going to be able to keep it that way because of this Catamounts defense. It's really strange to say that a game that finished 52-50 to was really physical, right? But this one was. These two teams just beat the hell out of each other for four quarters. Guys going off the field, limping off the field, limping back on the field to get back into the fight. And this is a case in point here. Cole Gonzalez on that final drive, he completed three passes to A.J. Colombo. Those were Colombo's only three catches of the ball game, Stone. Talk about saving your best for last, right? And then senior kicker Richard McCollum put the pigskin through the pipes from 32 yards as time expires to lift the cats to an improbable but impressive road victory. You mentioned Desmond Reed, and I'm thinking this guy should be a frontrunner for the Peyton Award. I know it's a quarterback award, and uh, people that vote for it, a lot of them don't even watch the games, and they're wowed by the stats on the paper. Desmond Reed's a football player, 211 yards and two touchdowns on just 15 carries, and he played three quarters. What a player deserves to be in the conversation. This team's not this team without Desmond Reed. I think everybody in that facility knows that, and if it's our job in the media, and if it's our job as guys who watch all of these football games to preach that to the audience, the general public who doesn't really know what Western Carolina's about, this team is not five and one if it's not for Desmond Reed so he deserves all the flowers the kid's electric when the ball is in his hands you wash the hell out I think defensive coordinators have nightmares over this kid and once he gets back into the lineup yet more problems for foes Youngstown State 31 number six Southern Illinois three Stone what happened didn't hear you there Kev I think your mic broke up yeah okay you you know exactly what I said dude I mean you were clowning me when my boys were playing badly so uh you know grin and take it rack it in Kev are you there I can't hear you They got their asses kicked is what happened. Uh, Six yards rushing does not even seem like a real stat. I'm waiting for somebody to point out that it's a typo. They got punched in the mouth. So I want to talk about how football is scientific at times because the very first drive of the game for Youngstown State, 7-0, but it was a seven-play, 75-yard drive that they converted two third downs on that led to a 40-yard touchdown run. With about 12 minutes to go in the first quarter. Now, now that is what I pulled from this game. This Youngstown State team knew that they needed to execute and they needed to be perfect early. And they were just that. 75 yards in seven plays, milked some time off of the clock. It, it was awesome. It was awesome what Youngstown State was able to do. And I have a hard time saying that because that's my Salukis. But Youngstown State just put a butt whooping and, dare I say, put the entire subdivision on notice. But got to follow it up. Going to USD, not a fun task following a big win over SIU. So not much to be said. I, I think 94 yards through the air is already pathetic in itself. But six yards on the ground is just disgusting. Shout out to Youngstown, though. And we had questions coming in. How good was Youngstown's defense? Because of some of the teams they had played. Now you throw out Ohio State because they're pretty good. But they played Valpo and Robert Morris, I think, you know, not two powerhouses. So how good was their rushing defense? It was very good, it turned out. The Penguins sacked Saluki quarterback Nick Baker seven times. And look, the, this game was over. It was a beatdown. And Stone, I think if you're the Salukis, you just turn the page, get ready for this week. Yeah. 
And you just put that one behind you. You had your stinker for the year and hope you don't have another one. Number nine, North Dakota State, 38. Missouri State, 10. Stone, this game was closer than the final score showed. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Scoreline not indicative of how this thing played out. But North Dakota State, they're rolling. 40 points is what we like to see. Now, 38 to be exact for all of you people who are out there who will point something like that out. But most State, without their quarterback, we knew this was going to be a buys and win. We just didn't know by how much. But North Dakota State, ah, bad taste in their mouth from this point on in the season. So look out for them. And here are our national players of the week brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. The FCS Nation Radio Offensive Player of the Week, Mr. Will McIlvain from Central Arkansas. McIlvain was 31 of 44 for a career high 397 yards and four touchdowns. But more important than that, let his team to an epic, epic comeback victory over SEMO. They were trailing that ball game 30 to 6 entering the fourth quarter. The National Defensive Player of the Week, Mr. Dylan Kelly from Albany. Last week versus Towson, 23 tackles, nine solos, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and one pass breakup. You heard that right, y'all. 23 tackles last week versus Towson for Dylan Kelly. Congratulations to Will McIlvain from Central Arkansas and Dylan Kelly from Albany for being the National Players of the Week, sponsored by Northwestern Mutual. And here is the FCS Nation Radio Top 25 for Week 6. Number one, South Dakota State. Number two, Montana State. Number three, Idaho. Number four, Western Carolina. Number five, the Furman Paladins. Number six, South Dakota. Number seven, North Dakota State. Number eight, Sacramento State. Number nine, North Carolina Central. And rounding out the top ten, Delaware's Fighting Blue Hens. Falling to number 11, Southern Illinois. Number 12 is Harvard. Number 13 is Holy Cross. Number 14, Youngstown State. And following the number 15, Incarnate Word. Number 16, North Dakota. Rising to 17, the Albany Great Danes. 18, Eastern Washington. 19, Florida A&M. And rounding out our top 20 with a return to the poll, the Montana Grizzlies. Number 21, the Chattanooga Mox. Following the number 22, William & Mary. Number 23, Rhode Island. 24 is Central Arkansas. And remaining steady at number 25, Tennessee Martin. It's time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, the Stone Cold QB segment will be coming up. Stone will sit down with North Carolina Central quarterback Davius Richard. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's morning. I woke up. Feel like money. I jumped up. Put on my Gucci. In my hat. Hand on my back. Back on my shirt. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. All right. It's that time of the week, my favorite time of the week, the Stone Cold Quarterback segment where we go around the country and I myself look for the best quarterback of the week. The signal caller for North Carolina Central, Mr. Davius Richard Davius. Thanks so much for giving the show some time this week. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, big fans of you. Myself, Kevin Marshall, my co-host, we've been high on the Eagles all season long, and it showed itself last week. We were able to show our ass a little bit when you guys finished up on Elon, winning that game by double digits. Now you guys are 5-1. and one. I do want to talk about that Elon game right off the bat. Now I understand you've kind of thrown it in the garbage, you've watched all the tape, and it's on to the next. But what you guys were able to do against an Elon team that you were not favored over, that not a lot of people picked you in that game, what did you see beforehand that you thought you could kind of exploit, and then after, did it all make sense? Yeah, we came into the game expecting to win, but we knew it wasn't going to be easy. Just 
watching film on their defense and their front seven is excellent, honestly. Especially uh, knowing the guys they got on the D-line, especially uh, number six. So we knew it was going to have to come in uh, with our suits on coming into the game. And then just after a week, good preparation and a great game plan put up by Office coordinator Leone. We was pretty confident in the game plan, just had to go out there and execute. Yeah, let's talk about Mr. Leone. I love what he's been able to dial up for you guys. What's your guys' relationship like on the field come Saturdays and during the week of practice and then off the field? What kind of guy is he? He's a great guy, honestly. Loves ball, loves football. So he can never get enough of it as far as just watching film and just breaking down defenses. But as far as like, the player-coach relationship, that's excellent. He just gave me the freedom to go out there and do what I do. And then also just had the freedom and the comfortability to trust my judgment as far as uh, having some type of input as far as play calling. He'll ask me before every game, a couple of days before every game, he always asked me to send my top 10 and then just make sure I'm good with the call sheet and stuff. And if it's players that I don't like, he knows not to call them. And just outside of uh, football, he's a hell of a guy. Just really considering, we don't had a couple of conversations as far as just like man to man, and then just knowing who he is as a person, just is a lot. Yeah, having those conversations man to man, I think is pretty important. And your guys' relationship, it's pretty evident. The smiles and the celebration, the dance move, everything you guys got going, it's all working well for you. The vibes in the facility after an Elon win like that, what are they like? Is the confidence level one through ten? What number would you give you guys right now? Uh, I mean, I. Confidence always been pretty high because we know what kind of offense we have, what kind of team that we have, and the culture that we built. As long as we go out there and just do what we are coached to do and just execute, we can feel like we just do anything. So, I mean, coming off great win, entering the top 10 in the uh, rankings, and then just being the top 25 team, uh, just heading in with heads high, but just knowing that uh, the job's not finished. What we just did in the past five to six weeks, that mean nothing as far as what we would like to be at the end of the season. So now it's just really time to lock in a little bit more heading into conference play. Yeah, speaking of your confidence level, you just said it was really high, and I would imagine after stringing together a few wins that you guys have, one in September 30th against Campbell, um, I don't even know how to describe that game. Just crazy? Insane? I, those are the two words that I'd go with, get that thing done in OT. 49-48, and then Elon last week, 34-23. Truthfully, truthfully. And you can say hell no if that's the answer, but did those any of those results, or at least one of those results, surprise you at all? Uh... Probably the Campbell game, if anything, just how it played out. They ended up jumping out on us early, getting like a 21-point lead. But it's not surprising that we came back to me that uh, how we did, just the fact that it went to overtime was like the most surprising thing about me. But, <laughs> but yeah, we already knew going into that game that they had a good defense, but on top of that, they had an excellent offense that was going to put up points. They've just been putting up points all season. So we emphasized that we were going to have to do the same thing and match uh, their points as far as make them match our energy. And just go in, go into the game, score a lot of points, and defense was going to do what they do. They picked it up in the second half, held them to a couple stops, made them play, and then we just had to capitalize and yeah. the results every stuff. I was hoping your answer was the Campbell game because I wanted to touch on that. Uh, you find yourself in the hole pretty early, just kind of uncharacteristic mistakes, kind of coming out, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but just not your guys' normal self. What did Trey Oliver tell you guys at halftime to keep you all locked in and knowing that you guys could definitely pull this game out? What were some of the words of encouragement? Just one of his models that uh, we kind of just say every day or anytime things get bad, when something good happens, keep playing. When something bad happens, keep playing for 60 minutes or however long it takes. So going into the halftime talk, we just uh, got a, I believe the interception was before halftime that we just scored. Yeah. So they always emphasize the middle eight of a game is when the biggest swings happen. And then just going into halftime with that happening, you know, we came back out and getting the ball. He was just saying, just don't take 
take your foot off the gas, just keep going. A uh, question I always love asking quarterbacks, I played quarterback myself, and, and I know this to be a fact, when you pull up on summer workouts, when you're finally getting things rolling, there's typically some new swag in your locker, new t-shirts, new shorts, new kicks, all that stuff. On the back of your t-shirts or the front of your t-shirts, what did Coach Trey Oliver put on there? What's the motto you guys are rocking with this year? Oh, yeah, Coach Overskeen. <laughs> Coming in back in 2019, when he first started, he always, Saying he was gonna build up a culture like we was in it for the long run, knowing that it was it wasn't gonna be easy. So we always try to we always say coach over scheme, just because at the end of the day, it's not really about what you put on the paper or what kind of plays you draw up. It's always about like the players and they them going out there executing as far as football wise, and then it just carry on to just outside of football as far as academics and uh, social life and stuff like that, being a man of character. And just emphasize the culture of the scheme because the scheme can always fall down, but as long as you got those deep values, the roots, that foundation, it won't be hard to get back to the good spot. Listen, culture over scheme is one of the hardest ones I've heard all year. I ask every single quarterback, hey, what's your guys' motto been this year? I can tell you straight up, culture over scheme has got to be my favorite this year. There's another game that you guys played that I want to touch on. Again, sorry to keep harping on the past, but a lot of people need some of these answers, right? They need to know which direction you guys are heading in and definitely what the signal caller has to say about it. But you guys took on a top 25 team in the country in UCLA. No easy task. Ended up losing that one 59-7. The good and the bad things, just overall, what did you guys learn about yourself? Uh, yeah, definitely was a tough loss. But coming in, watching film, when we got back, just came to a realization that they played a good game, but they didn't beat us. We was beating ourselves as far as just like making those errors as far as missed throws or missed routes or anything else, breaking down the protection. So anytime we come on film and watch it, we always try to find what we can do better and just came to a realization like the only people that can beat the Eagles is the Eagles. So try to just live and learn from that experience. Yeah, and you definitely lived and learned, right? Because following that loss, dropped 45 on Mississippi Valley State, dropped a 50-piece on Campbell, and 34 on Elon. Just awesome stuff. Hey, there's a certain question that I needed to jam in here. I think this was the one that we were being asked the most, right? When I when I hollered at a few people about, hey, I'm having Davies on the show, is there anything that you want me to ask him? Is there anything that you think the HBCU community and just the FCS audience in general want to hear about Davies? And there was one that I thought was really interesting that was in the DMs, and it said, with a lot of big-time players from HBCUs making the jump to FBS after winning all the awards, the MEAC championship, and the Celebration Bowl, did you ever consider going FBS? Uh, honestly, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I didn't. Uh, I mean, every kid's dream is probably to go play at their favorite college they grew up yeah. watching or like stuff like that and just knowing I had the opportunity to do so. But ultimately, didn't choose to do so because just sat down and just thought about it. And one of the biggest things that uh, made me stay was just the people around here as far as my teammates and the coaches and the school environment and all that. It was like, do I really want to put that risk into jeopardy going to a new facility, new school, mm-hmm. having a restart knowing it's my last year and stuff like that? Or do I kind of just stick it out with these guys knowing we had some uh, hiccups as far as the O-line-wise? That as far as people leaving and people graduating, or so Osmeo just like knowing what I had here as far as my teammates, they one of the really the biggest reason I stayed. Uh, just been through through those hard times with them, as far as like from freshman year to here, like me and um, Mookie Mookie Kari, we came in at the same time and just knowing what we've been through, all the ups and downs, all the heart to heart conversations we had. Outside of him, just other teammates also is like, I mean, this is home. 
So it was like, it was, I really didn't have no reason to leave. This is home, says Davies Richard. Hey, hey, super, super job there. I think that's really transparent. I think kids at your age, right, you don't know how to handle a question like that, and you just hit a home run right there. I love it. And you talked about this being home, and you talked about what you guys have intact right now and some of those plans. Let's talk about those plans. The ultimate goal, what is it this season? The repeat. Won the end of the season back in Atlanta, hopefully raising that trophy up again at the end of the game with the confetti falling around. It's always been a goal, and it's just getting closer and closer now heading into conference play. I love it. I love it. Hey, I want to ask you a little bit about your game. Typically, I save these for last, right? Because when I bring a quarterback on, everyone says, oh, here we go. They're going to get to talk about themselves. Don't just going to ask X and O's question that nobody really understands. So I saved it for kind of the end of the interview. You happy with where your game's at right now? Watching the Elon game, man, it's just ridiculous what you've been able to put on display and how much fun it seems like you're having every time, not only when you find Pater, but the little things, right? Just converting third and fours. Like, you're in a rhythm right now. Last week, 21 to 35, buck 70 in the air, found Pater one with your arm and then with your legs 11 carries 114 yards and three tds do you feel like your game's in the best place it's been in your career right now really just trying to get better each week if anything like if i just didn't say honestly i'm not almost i'm not happy but i just know i can do better so i'm just taking it day by day trying to get better each and every practice, each and every snap I get, and it just hopefully continue to build on the past performances that I did. That's well said right there. Just You didn't even give me an initial yes because you feel like your game can go higher. Makes a lot of sense. It's an answer, again, I don't think somebody your age is able to give all the time, so respect that. Hey, I was having a chat with Joshua Sims of HBCU Nightly earlier, and and I saw the interview you did with him post-game and whatnot, and I'm like, damn, this kid's well-spoken. I hadn't really heard you in interviews. I can catch you on some of the post-game stuff, and I'm glad we finally got you on the show. But he had something really, really dope to say and he talked about this kid Davis is an ambassador for HBCU schools. He's so well-spoken, and he does it week in and week out, and he carries himself like a grown-ass man. If somebody were to tell you, hey, you are the ambassador for HBCUs right now in 2023, your first feeling, your first thoughts when you hear something like that is what? Uh, first thought, man, shout-out to Joshua. <laughs> that's, that's my guy. Uh, he went to Central also, so we got a good relationship. But to hear those is the first word probably be a blessing just like man it's hard like god just for putting me in the position that where i'm at today if you'd ask me either my freshman year or back in high school if i would have pictured myself being why i am today i would have said no as far as football wise because i wasn't really wasn't really looking too far ahead in the future i was kind of just happy to be in college and stuff like that so it's definitely a blessing and an honor to even be in that consideration knowing all the excellent players that hbcu have from offensive-wise, defensive-wise, and the different conferences and stuff like that. Hey, having a chat here with Davis Richard, the signal caller for North Carolina Central. I'm going to start quoting it, the ambassador of HBCU football right now in 2023. I think what you've been able to do and how many people have been able to take notice, there's really no dispute in that. Davis, like I had said when you first came on, I cannot thank you enough for your time. North Carolina Central takes on Morgan State next Thursday. They're chilling this Saturday, folks. They're chilling this Saturday. No football to watch. Take on Morgan State, kicking off MEAC football. This is Thursday, 7.30 kick. Kind of primetime spot for you guys. Have you guys started breaking down some of that tape yet? Are you excited for that matchup? Do you like your guys against Morgan State? Yeah, I like my guys against anybody. But yeah, we uh, really haven't dug too deep into Morgan State. Really just been trying to get better as far as like seeing what we need to fix heading into uh, this bye week as far as what we can fix and as far as team-wise. But yeah, I'm excited for the matchup, man. Going against a good Morgan State defense. Uh, those guys been defensive-wise just been creating turnovers and doing what they need to do on that side of the ball. So it's definitely going to be a great matchup. And then just having, going to uh, media day before in like July, having me meet some of the guys around the conferences as far as team-wise. So now I can 
kind of make, make it a little bit personal knowing I met Lawrence, the uh, linebacker, and had talked it up with him at in Virginia. So now converting those third downs and scoring touchdowns got to be kind of just like a, a rub on the head towards him. And I know he's going to go out there and do his thing against me and try to rub it in my face. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. To quote Mr. Davis, Richard says, I like my guys over anybody. And to quote Stone Lebanowitz here at FCS Nation, I like North Carolina Central over anybody. I'm going to continue to pick them, not only because of Davis, but the rest of the squad and what head coach Trey Oliver has going for the boys. Hey, give Davis a follow on Twitter at Davis Richard. Davis, again. For the last time, I can't thank you enough for giving the show some time this week. Go kick some ass against Morgan State. We'll be rooting for you guys. I appreciate the love, man. Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone Lebanowitz and I take a trip all over FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place in FCS football. Up first, Northern Iowa is at number one, South Dakota State for Hobo Day. I think this will be the biggest test for South Dakota State besides Montana State. I think UNI has something to prove. This is the spot. This is the month where they typically turn it on. So I'm excited for this. I think they give the Jacks a challenge. Although I don't see them winning this game, I think Theo Day has a day himself, and this game is interesting in the third quarter. Look, Northern Iowa did not look good last week against Indiana State. And Indiana State's a team that usually everybody looks good against, right? Theo Day was not the dude he was just a guy last week so that's not what you want coming into a ball game playing at the number one team in the country i'm just not sure if northern iowa has the firepower and has the offensive capability to stay with south dakota state and if their defense can get off the field enough times to keep this one close we'll see the panthers do give the jackrabbits a lot of trouble especially in brookings on hobo day cal poly is at number two montana state yeah this is uh i think smooth sailing for the bobcats i think what they're able to do defensively parlay that with their run game yeah spells trouble for Cal Poly Cal Poly didn't put a lot of good things on tape last week against Idaho so I think Montana State rolls in a spot like this I think they put up over 250 yards on the ground number 20 Montana is at number three Idaho First of two really big home tests for the Idaho Vandals. Got the Grizz coming in here this week. And those Bobcats we just talked about coming in there next week. I'll be at this ball game over in Moscow, Idaho. Looking forward to it. My first visit to the Kibbe Dome. Hey, this matchup's hilarious on paper, right? Montana Grizz fans are going to be loud this week on Twitter. And Idaho fans, they expect to roll here. Now, Montana wants to carry that momentum from that UC Davis game. I think this could be fun at some points. But I think Idaho has too much offensively. And they're going to create a lead and probably keep keep it. So I like the potato people here, but Montana could present something annoying, especially with the size that they have to Idaho. Well, Stone, I know one thing. Jason Eck is a smart guy, and he's not going to kick the ball to Junior Bergen. I can tell you that right now. You're better just kicking the ball out of bounds and letting the Grizz start wherever they end up starting at. Uh, That guy's a game changer. Don't kick it to him. I I can't believe I have to tell guys who get paid a lot of money to coach football that you ought not to kick the ball to a guy who can change the whole perception of a game just because he returns a kick and has his hands on the football. Don't kick it to him. If Idaho doesn't kick it to him, I think they handle Montana fairly easily. Number five, Furman is at Samford. This one is interesting, Stone. So interesting, and I love Samford. I'm not going to lie to you, I love Samford, and not only because of what Cedardale did to them last week, but I think Samford has the ability to score points in bunches, and Furman does not. They like to grind it out and drag you into deep waters, and I think 
if Sanford can execute in the first quarter, maybe jump out to a 10-0, 14-0 lead, I don't necessarily think Furman can dig themselves out of that. Now, Furman could very well prove me wrong. We're talking about a top five team in the country, but I like Sanford. I love Michael Hires. I love their skill players. I love what they present on the back end defensively. I think if they can snag themselves a turnover here, I like Sanford coming out of this game. Stay tuned for the pick segment. Did you like Sanford when it was 14 to nothing against Chattanooga before the Sanford fans could even sit down? No, I didn't. I mean, they've just made too many mistakes. And their defense can't get off the field. And I think Furman probably just goes there in Birmingham. Going to be a hot day there in Birmingham, Alabama. And I expect Furman, run the ball, Dominic Roberto, Tyler Huff, the quarterback, screen passes, the little bubble screen, eat up the clock, move the ball down the field, wear out Sanford's defense. And I think in the end, they will wear out Sanford. We'll see. Man, you know, it gives me no pleasure. It gives me no great joy to be this high on Furman and have to talk nicely about them. But I think Furman's a good football team, and I have for a while. And I think this is a game, if you're Furman, man— I've gone out on a limb for you. I mean, I've done things I'm not comfortable with that make me want to take the hottest shower in the history of the world after having to say them each week. So please, handle your business, Paladins. Number 14, Youngstown State is at number 6, South Dakota. I think this is probably the game of the week in FCS football. I think possibly. I, I think on paper, not so much, but with what we know and where we have these teams ranked and the conversations around them, yeah, I do think that it presents itself as the game of the week. I don't know what Youngstown State can do to a South Dakota team and Aiden Bauman at the helm like they're good offensively they haven't had many hiccups Uh, following up a performance like that is never easy and I think if you're a better you're going to be all over Youngstown State in this spot but I think it's what I would call a trap game I think South Dakota State rolls here and I hope the Youngstown State fans are listening because this is a get right spot for the ghost of SIU I think it's hard to follow up a performance like that holding a team to six yards rushing and 94 yards passing and then playing a damn good football team the next week it's hard to do so these guys have had to get back in the lab and this week of practice needs to be dominant for Youngstown State if they win this game (laughs) Ever the FCS is on red alert because when Youngstown's good, they're really good. So I'm interested in this matchup. I do think South Dakota has the edge in the spots. I like the Yotes. Well, I'll tell you, man. Youngstown State, number one rush defense in FCS football. South Dakota, not really a ground and pound type team. So I think they'll be able to use those, you know, uh, four yard hitches and the bubble screens like Furman does as just extensions of the running game, loosen them up a little bit. But let's face it, the way defenses have changed, you don't have to throw the ball to run the ball anymore or run the ball to throw the ball anymore. It's just about matchups. And Youngstown State with that front seven, South Dakota's going to have to throw the ball down to football field to win the football game. They've shown they can do that. We'll see if Youngstown secondary can match the intensity and how well that front seven is done. going to be very interesting to watch. Number seven, North Dakota State is at number 16, North Dakota. This is game 1B, national game of the week, I think, in FCS football. Yeah, this is just a matter of execution and capitalizing on mistakes that the other teams make. Neither of these teams make a whole lot of mistakes, so I'll be interested to find out where and at what point in the football game they do come about. But if you're North Dakota State, you just try to play your game here. And if you're North Dakota, you try to take North Dakota State out of their comfort zone. That's the only way you can find yourself in this ball game late. I think the scoreline obviously ends the way of North Dakota State, but I do think at certain points in this game, especially in the first quarter of North Dakota, can kind of muck this up and kind of dominate the time of possession, the Fighting Hawks have a chance because late in the game is when they'll pull out some of the gadget stuff and dial up some exotic pressure. So I'm interested. I do think this is 1B game of the week here. I, I do like the Bison, though. If you're the Fighting Hawks, you have to say, this is what we wanted. This is what we asked for. We wanted to join this conference so we could have this game 
every year. Well, you know, sometimes you, what is that, uh, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Well, they're going to get North Dakota State's best shot. These two groups of people, they don't care for one another at all. So NDSU coming into their place in the Alaris Center where North Dakota is a different team. You know, outdoors, neutral site in Fargo, they don't have a shot in this ball game. But in their building, weird and funny things happen, and they're a lot better football team. North Dakota State, you got to avoid what South Dakota did to you when you're playing North Dakota this week. You cannot allow them to jump out ahead of you and try to play from behind. You don't have the offense, and that new clock rule hurts you badly. Badly. North Dakota State got to start fast. Cannot allow North Dakota to run away with this thing early and you play catch up the rest of the game. It's going to be very interesting to see, Stone. I'm going to have my eyeballs on this one. And I'm, I just, I think this is the game where if NDSU can't figure out a way to win, then man getting to Frisco is going to be very, very, very difficult for the Bison. Number eight, Sacramento State is at Northern Colorado. Sacramento State has everything that Northern Colorado does not. Sac State rolls here. Not much to be said here. In the words of Kevin Marshall, not much to see here. I think the Hornets and Caden Bennett put on a show offensively. I'm thinking 500 yards of total offense, and uh, this score line's lopsided when it's all said and done. You know, Stun, I would have a tendency to agree with you, but Northern Colorado's played better the last couple of weeks. They'll hang around for a while. They'll do some things that make Sac State uncomfortable. Ed Lamb is starting to have that team kind of resemble those old Southern Utah teams he had before. Going to be a decent football game. Northern Colorado will hang around for a while. North Carolina A&T is at number 10, Delaware. Delaware is just playing some really good football right now. I think this is a team that, for the fans who watch, for the media who watches, we know what this team's about and we know how this game's going to end, but I I think this is one of those statement games that puts the rest of the country on notice. I think they're so well-rounded, both offensively and defensively. They put on a clinic against North Carolina A&T. Again, I just think this is a case of North Carolina A&T not presenting problems for a team, and that's what's going to happen here. Delaware's going to roll. I agree with you here, Stone. North Carolina A&T, they're a tough football team. They'll fight, but I think Delaware will have a little too much for them, especially there in Newark. Number 11, Southern Illinois is at Murray State. Stone, your Salukis better get it right. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. This is a get-right spot. Uh, I think Murray State's a good squad to do it against. Typically, they've beat up on Murray State. I was a part of some beatdowns. I think offensively, they get back on track, and I do think head coach Nick Hill, he, as he is the co-offensive coordinator over there, tries to just keep the thing on the ground, and when they have their spots, they'll take the shots down the field, so I expect a combination of running the ball and taking shots down the field. Those two things put together equal a lot of points, and I think that's what we see against the Racers. Texas A&M Commerce is at number 15, Incarnate Word. Now, Stone, I don't know where we've gotten this reputation, or, well, maybe not you, but but me, as being an Incarnate Word hater. I'm not. I'm a truth teller. That football team is not nearly as good as they were last season. Last season, when they were blowing people away, their inferior opponents in their Southland Conference, what did we say? They're good. You should rank them high. They're a good football team. They're going to go far. I've seen none of that from them so far this year that's why they're number 15 other people can put them in the top five or the top 10 i don't think they belong there and even if they went out a 10 and 1 incarnate word should not sniff a top eight seed in the fcs playoffs their schedule is atrocious and they're not winning impressively if you're going to play a bad schedule you at least can look good doing it yeah i'll just move out of the way here and i'll also go on record saying hey any incarnate word slander that is not for me on the Twitter account, that is Mr. Kevin Marshall, so aim everything towards him, please. Yeah, I, I mean, although I do agree with you, I, I do think you're setting yourself up to be slapped in the mouth when it comes to the playoffs. I think Incarnate Word's a good football team. They haven't had the results or put the things on tape that I think we expected to see in the preseason. They also haven't been tested. I think that re- that schedule's been weak for the most part. I know you definitely agree with that, so I, this this one here doesn't really scream excitement, this matchup, but uh, I don't know. I think Incarnate Word rolls here and uh, wins by a wide margin, but I don't think 
like it means anything because it's Texas A&M Commerce. Number 17, Albany is at New Hampshire. Now, I just said, here's what I think about Incarnate Word. Well, you know, you got to eat your crow without sauce and without a beer to wash it down with when it's presented to you. We were both high on New Hampshire. That's not just me. Well, they have underperformed. But you know what? We said in week one, we, when we both watched that Albany game, some things jumped out at us. The quarterback, the defense. Well, you know what? They're still pretty good. The quarterback and the defense. going to be a very interesting ball game. I like Albany's defense better than I like New Hampshire's. And the quarterbacks are similar. So this is going to be a very good ball game. Turnovers, win the kicking game. It's probably going to be the person who wins the football game. Yeah, if you're UNH, you got to love that you're sitting in the blind spot here. Not a soul in the country is paying attention to you. Everybody's paying attention to Albany right now. We had Dylan Kelly, the defensive player of the week. They put up some good results. We've been shouting out that defense. But I think UNH is sitting in the blind spot, sitting pretty in a perch right here. And I think this offense explodes against a good Albany defense. I'm leaning the way of UNH here just because nobody's on them. I've been with them. I'm rocking with Max and squad. I, I think they get this one done here. Stay tuned for the pick segment. Uh, Again. Number 18, Eastern Washington at Idaho State. Stone, I think Eastern Washington probably handles this one fairly easily. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is one of those cases. Like I said earlier, I don't think Idaho State has uh, many problems to present to the Eagles here. I think Eastern Washington rolls. I think they're sitting pretty at number 18, and they'll advance a little bit down the pole. Number 21, Chattanooga is at Mercer. This one intrigues me, Stone, because do you want to be the third possible playoff team from the SOCON? Well, you better win this football game because they're probably not going to get four. Yeah, you said it. I think this is a case. You're not fighting for bronze because there's still a long way to go but as far as what teams think of you and how they rank teams in the SOCON this one matters a lot UT chat man they've done some good things they've been hotter than fish grease in the past two three weeks and I think that Mercer is gonna stand stout defensively so all eyes should be on this matchup I, I think this SOCON is pretty damn strong so far and I think this one kind of swings the pendulum on what we think about both squads here and the rest of the SOCON as a whole well look the Chattanooga offense fantastic defense they've looked good at times didn't look particularly good last week I think Western Carolina had a whole lot to do with that. Opposite of that, uh, Western Carolina's defense didn't look so good. Chattanooga had a whole lot to do with that, right? But Mercer, man, you want to talk about the blind spot. Nobody's been talking about Mercer for a couple, three weeks now. They've been quietly trying to put it together. The quarterback play isn't what they would like it to be. Carter Peavy's been okay. He's been just okay. Last year with Fred Payton, they had superlative quarterback play and still couldn't get to the playoffs. Still couldn't win the SoCon. I'm not sure they can do either of those things with just a pedestrian type quarterback under center. I think Chattanooga is just going to have way too much on the offensive side of the ball, and Mercer is not going to have very many answers for that on defense. I think Chattanooga probably handles this business on the road against the Mercer Bears. Virginia Military Institute is at Citadel in the Military Classic of the South. Kevin Marshall, you have the floor, my friend. This <clears throat> this game is more than just a game, and both of these teams, well, they're combined 0-12. Why are we talking about it? Well, because it is the most unique game in the football championship subdivision. There are five, count them, five Division I military schools, and the FCS has two of them, and they're meeting at the General on Saturday for the coveted Silver Shaco. VMI and the Citadel, you know, the X's and the O's, they don't really matter in this ballgame. The records coming in don't really matter in this ballgame. This is a bare-knuckle street brawl, and the only answer is who wants it more? And it's going to be very interesting to see which one of these squads that is. It's time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, our Alex's Lemonade stand honorary captain of the week, C.J. Siegel, the fine quarterback from the University of North Dakota. The pick segment's coming up right after that. I know you'll want to hang out for that. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. C.J. Siegel, lockdown corner here. If you're going to try the other side, this guy Siegel, man, like he's a lockdown guy. 
Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Folks, it's about that time. Each and every week, we have a new honorary captain of the week. And this one is what we call in the industry a whale. Fifth-year senior, preseason All-American. In my opinion, a kid who's of the caliber to play at the very next level and get paid to do so in a corner for the North Dakota Fighting Hawks and C.J. Siegel. C.J., first off, thanks for being an honorary captain of the week. And second off, thanks for giving the show some time yeah thank you so much it's an honor to be here just for this cause as a whole so i'm very grateful for this opportunity yeah i'm excited that you are joining us in this initiative like i had already said a, a fifth year senior a preseason all-american a kid who i think is is top two three maybe one depends who you're talking to a corner in the fcs right now everybody in the subdivision from a coach's perspective turns on this tape and this is the catch you got to pay attention to thank you so much for giving the show some time this week this initiative is big time that we have going with northwestern mutual and alex lemonade stand the opportunity we have to not only raise awareness but to raise funds for childhood cancer research and all things that come with that when you hear that when you were asked to be a part of this your first thoughts were what well first off just to have the the entire opportunity to be a part of something so special uh, it really means a lot just that people are counting on me and think that i can make an impact in that way also means a lot to me just knowing that there's people out there who struggle uh the childhood cancer is never easy you gotta put yourself in these kids shoes i mean they have good days and bad days for sure so just to know that i can make an impact and reach out to the community and be just an influence in that way it's something really special and i'm very proud to be a part of it yeah, you're no stranger to helping certain causes in an interview you did with NFL Draft Diamonds, who, hey, on Twitter, that guy carries a lot of weight. He does awesome work over there at NFL Draft Diamonds. You interviewed with him, of course, because I already mentioned you're an NFL caliber kid. There's a quote that you dropped. My brother Antonio has autism, and I have grown up taking care of him. Learning firsthand about how autism works and the challenges people face with autism makes me want to do more for them. I would donate to autism awareness charities, and I also enjoy learning about more of these individuals. Their lives can be difficult and to bring light to their struggles is what matters most to me. First of all, that's profound, especially for a kid your age. But second of all, autism, childhood cancer, the two things I think marry themselves in a sense of they both need help. They're both underfunded. Would you put the two together? Do you see them in the same light? And of course, now you have an opportunity to make a difference. How exciting is that? Yeah, most definitely. Definitely can put the two together. And just growing up with a brother with autism, honestly, uh, there's challenging days for him, but he's a beautiful kid. He does great things. And just to know that I'm there for him and there's love for him i mean it makes his day and it makes his world each and every day we still stay in contact all the time and just to pair that with childhood cancer i mean there's kids out there who are struggling as well and just to know that it's underfunded and to try to be out there to help with the research the donations and whatnot for them i mean those kids really appreciate that time so i think it's really important that we just continue to stress and just try to make donations and things of that nature to show that we care and to show that we're trying to get better in that that way now when you first enrolled into college and found yourself at North Dakota, you're an 18-year-old child, right? I can't call you a young adult. I think a lot of people in the sense always tried to. And when they called me a young adult when I was a freshman in college, I always kind of was like, whoa, I don't think I'm, I'm ready for that. But now fast forward to you being a fifth-year senior, you know, having gotten your degree and all of these things, did you ever see yourself being a face for a cause this massive in an initiative this impactful? Honestly, uh, this early in my age, I'm 23 right now, I really didn't. Just to have the opportunity to do this, it's so special to me because I know it's something that I want to do in my future. And just to be able to have this impact and to be able to get my name out there for a great cause like this, is, it's truly important. I, I love Northwestern Mutual for believing in me and what I can do to help them. Tierney and JJ have been so great for me. And just to be able to pair with them, pair with you guys, carry out Alex's mission, 
it's something very beautiful. I'm just glad that I can take initiative in that and just be a part of something so special. Yeah, every day more than a thousand children worldwide are diagnosed with childhood cancer. Northwestern Mutual, CJ Siegel, and Alex's Lemonade Stand, of course, are devoted to supporting research families and survivors of childhood cancer, all with the outcome, hopefully, leading to better quality of life. They're looking to accelerate the search for better treatments and cures for childhood cancer, while also supporting families and undergoing treatment and survivors struggling with lasting effects. That's what we're setting out to do. That's why we have CJ Siegel on the show right now, because his voice, depending on where you are in the country, is bigger and carries more weight than ours does. That's why we bring him on the show, because that's what type of kid CJ is. CJ, all right, moving on to some football here. You're in the midst of a season right now. You guys are three and two, two tough losses, one to an FBS squad and then the other to the number one team in the country. As you guys look ahead to North Dakota State on the schedule this week of practice and following last week's 49-10 victory over Western Illinois, what are the vibes like in the facility? Confidence level, one through 10, what number would you give it? I give the confidence level 10 just to start off. I mean, there's been a number of times now that we play them since I've been here in my career and we haven't had their results. There's something special about this team. And so this whole week, we've been stressing just everything we do, do it to 100%. Whether that's in meetings, on the field, everyone has to do their part, and that's what's going to win us the game. So we're really looking forward to the opportunity. The energy has been there all week. It's going to be in the building on Saturday. It's an atmosphere like no other. And so I'm really excited to see what we can do and take the guys down. Yeah, I think FCS Nation is excited as well. We all saw what South Dakota did to them a few weeks ago. And I think if there's a team out there right now that's sneaky enough to do it again, it's definitely you guys at UND, North Dakota. How excited are you guys as a team for the opportunity to take on the Bison? It's going to be awesome just to be able to take on those guys. I mean, you dream of games like this. I've been trying to stress to the guys all week, you know, that this is a once in a lifetime thing. College football isn't forever. And just to be able to be in these type of games, you don't want to have any regrets. So as a whole team, we're looking forward to the opportunity and just being able to go out there, make memories with each other and also hopefully make memories for our community as well. Having a chat here with CJ Siegel, star corner for the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. CJ, you're a member of a perennial playoff team. It seems like every single year when UND's name comes up, we marry it with the playoffs. I don't want to speculate on why that is myself because we have a preseason All-American on the show right now and yourself, CJ. If you had to boil it down to why that is, why you guys are always in the playoffs, why you guys are a legitimate contender each and every season, what would you say? i say the biggest thing is it starts with our coaching staff. Our coaching staff is truly about our players and they care about us. They execute on the game plans each and every single week. Even though there are ups and downs with those game plans, I mean, we know that they care for, them, for us and we know that we want to be good for them. So just to be able to be with them and to understand that they're going to put out the best game plans for us we have to go execute and we especially have to execute for the people that are counting on us so i think we do the little things right as well just the little things day in and day out which is just whether that's just being together making sure we don't have penalties throughout practice all those type of little things that people don't necessarily think about we take those seriously in our yep. preparation and that's what makes us a playoff team each and every single year Hey, that's solid. That's all. It's the little things with you guys. And for some of the things you guys do offensively and defensively, they're a little wacky to some. Hard to understand if you're not an X's and O's guy. And I think that's what makes you guys so effective at times, how comfortable you are doing the things that make other teams uncomfortable. That's what makes you guys so dangerous, let me call it dangerous. And, and you just touched on that being detail oriented. Hey, you're three and two, like I mentioned earlier, a top 20 team in the country. You guys just never leave the top 25. Everybody knows that. Fresh off a 49 10 win over Western Illinois, holding the Leathernecks to 10 points. Straight up, what's working well for the defense right now? 
So far, just uh, getting together and just playing together, playing for each other. We have a new defensive coordinator this year. He's young. Joel Swan's fire. He brings a lot of energy each and every practice. And so just trying to figure out what defenses work for us and emphasizing stopping the run and limiting explosive plays, that's been our motto all year. So we're just trying to follow that and follow that type of plan each and every single week. At the end of the day, we'll be fine if we do that. You talked about your new D.C. Joel. I wanted to touch on your DB's coach, Travis Steps, your guys' relationship. You've been there forever, an All-American caliber player at this point in your career. What's he mean to you on and off the field? And I think for people who aren't quite tapped into UND, what's his personality like? Yeah, Coach Steps is a great guy. I mean, I wouldn't have traded any other coach in the world for him. I mean, when I first got to college, I didn't know anything about defensive back. I was a wide receiver all through high school. And just to see how he's coached me and his patience with that, and just the progress with it as well, right? So he's a great coach. Obviously, I've had the success on the field. That's a credit to him and just trusting me and trusting the player I am. I've just seen other guys here come through here as DBs as well and just seeing their progress each and every single day throughout the years I've been here. It's, it's really impressive. So Coach says he's a great guy. He's a great coach, and he does a lot of things the right way. Yeah, you guys are tricky on defense. I had the opportunity to play against you um, in your guys' crib. Got beat. Had a couple of turnovers in that game. So I'm not a fan of Steps or Joel, okay? <laughs> and, and you let them know that. No, no, no. But seriously, you guys are awesome on defense. And I've touched on it two or three times already. But I think in the Missouri Valley, there's not a team defensively that shows as many looks as you guys do whether they're exotic pressures that are dialed up at random times during a game. I think you guys hold the crown for being the most unpredictable defense there is in the Valley, like I said. But there's a guy I wanted to touch on as well, head coach Mr. Bubba. When you guys came to the facility for summer workouts, typically that's when a coach has a new saying printed on the back of the T-shirts that you guys are going to lift in, you guys are going to be out on the field getting workouts in. What was the message to you guys from Bubba this year before everything got rolling? The message this year, for sure, to start, we go by the model day by day. So just taking things slow day by day and just trusting the process. Getting to know your teammates as well in doing that is super important. And also just working every single day. We know the result last year isn't what we wanted. So just to have that chemistry and that trust in your brothers, to be able to go out there and know that we're going to work hard for each other every single day, that's super important. So the things that we want to do on the field, it comes and starts off the field. And so that's why we stress just doing little things and we stress just being together. And at the end of the day, everything else will take care of itself because we're hard workers. Day by day, says corner C.J. Siegel for North Dakota. I love that. I think it's classic. Some would call it cliche, but I do think it hits home. I think if you're just putting your left foot in front of the right foot and then your right foot in front of the left foot, things are going to get done. Productivity, efficiency, that's where it comes from. Hey, I'm a former quarterback myself, so I always find a way to jam a QB question in these interviews. Sorry in advance. But your your signal caller, Tommy Schuster, how much do you respect his game? He seems like a guy who just produces year after year after year. Yeah, Tommy Schuster, is, he's a great friend of mine, actually. Uh, he, he's just a great quarterback in general. You talk about a guy who leads by example does things the right way I mean you want no other quarterback than that and just see his development in this game you know at first he's kind of sitting in the pocket a little bit more but now he's reading from one to three I mean he's making plays he's able to use his feet a little bit more we've seen it all year long I know last week he just had a play where he shook a defender and got into the end zone so he's able to do it all now and you just see the progress in him and you can appreciate it just even being a defensive back just seeing how good he is Seeing the looks in practice, you can just appreciate how just patient he is with all the stuff that he does, and he's a great leader for us.
Speaking of leaders, not only Tommy, but yourself, anytime I hear an athlete that I'm speaking to talk about being a leader or just leadership skills in general, that's when I go right to the internship program because this initiative led by Northwestern Mutual has one of the best, the most impactful, I think the most respected internship programs in the country for the past 50 years, more than 52,000 college students have participated in NM's internship program. 98% of them reported that the program was instrumental and helpful to their future careers. CJ, when I bring this up, it's because Eli Mostart, who I had on a few weeks ago, who you're going to take on this Saturday, he was a part of Northwestern Mutual's internship program and he just like you was a great leader. When you think about Northwestern Mutual and all the things that they do, is that something that you'd be interested later on in life? And is it something that you think athletes on your team should also be involved in? Because as you know, college athletes, not much job experience. We, we feel as if our job has been playing the sport of football, but at one point football is going to end. Do you think Northwestern Mutual's internship program is something that more people should know about and more athletes in locker rooms all around the country should know about? Yeah, most definitely. And like you said, just uh, Eli Mostert, I listened to the podcast a few weeks ago just to know he had an opportunity with them. It makes me a little bit jealous just because I know how great JJ and Tierney have been to me in my little time here so far, just making plans for Alex Foundation. I think overall, too, that you see the success rate, like you said and mentioned before. So just athletes in general, if there's one thing that I could say to you guys is that Northwestern Mutual cares about you guys. They understand that the time schedule you go through and all the work that you put in. And that's why I think this internship program is so important. It shows that you can be time-oriented, detail-oriented, and that they also are just going to be there for you in that regard. So I think if you have a chance to do that, my teammates as well, if you're hearing this, you should definitely take a chance in that because it's one of the most successful and interesting internships that you could have across the country. That right there is awesome. Yeah, many college athletes have successfully made the move to become advisors and are having an impact on their career and communities. CJ, you have an impact by just playing the sport of football, but like you had mentioned, getting involved in the internship program or getting involved with Northwestern Mutual and how they tie college athletes and students athletes all over the country into that is just something that I think is, I guess if I had to sum it down to one word, it'd be beautiful. And I think it'd be organic. All they want to do is just help these college athletes and now former college athletes just propel themselves into the career field. Because like I said, there's just not a lot of experience there. CJ, just by hearing you talk about football on the field and the things that you're participating in off the field, I get the sense you're a pretty competitive person. Yeah. Yes, sir. Most definitely. This is what I want you to do. What we're doing here in this initiative, the Honorary Captain of the Week, every week is tasked with directing the people on where they can go and how they can donate to the cause. That is presented by, of course, Alex's Lemonade Stand and Northwestern Mutual. It's competition-based. You're a competitive person. I'm a competitive person. Fan bases of college football are very competitive, especially in the subdivision. But for you, I need you to tell the people, the audience out there, where they can go to donate to not only you, but North Dakota in general and of course children with childhood cancer where can they go cj yeah that's that's really easy so you can go to fcsnationradio.com on the website there's a link to the right side and just click on the alex lemonade stand foundation and you'll see my name tied to the university of north dakota i have the best community the best fans teammates i would encourage you guys to go support something that's so special in childhood cancer and let's just get this thing rolling i'm a competitive guy as you said before so the more donations possible the better it's for a great cause and Let's do this thing. Yeah, CJ wants to win, folks. Like he said, FCSNationRadio.com. And right on the right side of the screen is Alex's Lemonade Stand. It's as easy as clicking on that, and it takes you right to a landing page. Click on Donate Pledge, or if you just want to check the standings, click on the same thing. It'll take you right to the standings, and that's where all of the fundraisers, which are student-athletes around the
the country, their names will come up, and it's tied next to the school that they attend. So CJ says, CJ Siegel, the University of North Dakota. CJ, you already have $100 donated. I'm sure that's just from a North Dakota fan who saw your name, wanted to be a part of the cause. But after this airs and when people are listening to this live, that's where they need to go. They need to donate. You're competitive. You want to win this thing. I understand. CJ, this has been phenomenal. I appreciate you for being a part of this initiative. Everything that Northwestern Mutual sets out to do, we're helping accomplish. Everything that Alex Lemonade stand, everything they represent, we're a part of this now. And I need you to lead the charge. When this goes live on social media, I want you to get one of the best fan bases in college football, especially in the FCS and North Dakota fans going, all right? Yes, sir. And I just appreciate the opportunity the opportunity to be on here as a whole. And yeah, like you said, we're just pushing something so special. So I'll continue to be a leader in that way. And hopefully it's making my mark here. We'll push it for leaders in the future down the road. CJ, cannot thank you enough for your time. Folks, this is a big one. North Dakota, North Dakota State. This is this Saturday, 2 p.m. kick. You can catch it on ESPN+. Plus. CJ, we're rooting for you. Me and my co-host Kevin Marshall are big fans of the Fighting Hawks. We're excited for this matchup. We think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. And if you guys play your ball and you can get them out of the comfort zone, I think there's a chance you guys come out of this with a victory. So go in there with that 10 out of 10 confidence level you guys had preached about earlier. And, of course, good luck and thanks for giving the show some time this week. Yeah, thank you so much. We'll have to go get them for sure. It'll be a great atmosphere and just a great game as well. Thank you. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for my favorite time of the week, the pick segment. This is where Stone Labanowitz and I go head-to-head and pick the biggest games taking place in FCS football. Up first, Northern Iowa is at number one, South Dakota State. Now part of me hopes that UNI keeps it close, but also part of me thinks they actually do. I think South Dakota State wins this game. You're going to touch on the weather. I do think the Jacks sneak out of here 28-24. I think Theo Day plays well, weather permitted. If he's able to throw the ball around, the yard this scoreline will be closer than a lot of people think supposed to be rainy and cold in brooking south dakota and the jackrabbits running game of defense will be more than enough to get the job done take number one south dakota state over northern iowa 31 17 cal poly is at number two montana state yeah not much to see here montana state's gonna roll all over cal poly what they do similar to the words that you just talked about with south dakota state the running game and the defense that's what you're gonna see here put on display by the bobcats they'll win this game 42 17 over cal poly y'all see what labanowitz is doing here y'all Stole my hotter than fish grease bit earlier. Now my not too much to see here. Man, I'm telling you, starting not to like that guy. But not too much to see here, I don't think. It looks like Tommy Malott will return to action after being hurt in that game at South Dakota State earlier in the season. This will be a great opportunity for the Cats to get him going again. Take number two, Montana State over Cal Poly, 42-13. Number 20, Montana is at number three, Idaho. This one is interesting. Interesting is a good way to put it. I think Idaho wins this game. I'm hoping, kind of, that Montana plays really well and keeps it close. And I think I'm willing to go out on a limb and say that they do. Idaho wins this game, though, 30-24. to Go Vandals. Have the Grizz turned the corner? Is what we saw from them on offense last week versus UC Davis real? Well, we're about to find out. Idaho is physical. They don't make a lot of mistakes. If the Vandals play their game and don't help them with turnovers or kicking the ball to Junior Bergen, they'll win. I believe they'll do all of those things, you know, except for kick the ball to Junior Bergen. Take number three, Idaho, over number 20, Montana, 34 to 24. Number five, Furman is at Sanford. Drum roll, please. 
Upset special of the week, number one for Stone Lobanowitz. I'm taking Sanford. I'm taking Michael Hires and company. I think they get out to a really clean start. It's something that we haven't seen from them this year. This is a beautiful spot to do it against a top five team in the country. I love Sanford. I'm all over Sanford. When that money line gets posted, I'm talking cash. Sanford, 28-27 in a sweater. I don't agree, Stone. Uh, look, I understand why you have such a man crush on Sanford. It's because of Michael Hires, and he is no doubt the better drop-back pro-style quarterback, and that's what really gets you hot in places you don't like to talk about. But Furman has Tyler Huff, who's tougher than all Hades. It's a tough one to pick, but I've been riding with Furman all year, and I'm not the type of fellow to change horses midstream. So take number five, Furman over Sanford in Birmingham, Alabama, 30-28. to 28. Number 14, Youngstown State is at number six, South Dakota. I do think South Dakota wins this game. I don't think it's by much. It's tough for Youngstown State to follow up a performance like last week week. Be interesting to see if they even can do anything remotely close to what they did on paper and on tape to Southern Illinois. But I think the Yotes win this ballgame 24-21. And I think the scoreline ends up being not quite indicative of how the game went because I think South Dakota is in control most of the way. Penguins defense is no no joke, y'all. That's one hell of a group. And yards, particularly rushing yards, going to be hard to come by. Can the Yotes do enough on offense to win? I think so when the game is in Vermillion, and that's just enough of an edge for me. Take number six, South Dakota at home over number 14, Youngstown State, 27-24. Number seven, North Dakota State is at number 16, North Dakota. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. On paper, on the field, I think it's going to provide what everybody's looking for. If North Dakota can step up to the plate defensively and kind of take the Bison out of their comfort zone and time Schuster is allowed to execute throws early on. Yeah, this one could get fun. I I do think North Dakota State wins this game, though, by double digits, 35-24. Recipe for a victory for North Dakota? Jump out ahead. Make the Bison chase you and chase points all afternoon. If they can do that, it could be a long day for the Bison. This game is at the Alaris Center in Grand Forks. And North Dakota is a very different football team than they are anywhere else when they're in their dome. All that being said, this is type of a ball game, backs against the wall, circle the wagons, whatever cliche you want to insert at the Bison, always seem to find a way to win. Take number seven, North Dakota State, over number 16, North Dakota, in a defensive, low-scoring affair. North Dakota State, 17, North Dakota, 14. Number eight, Sacramento State is at Northern Colorado. Yeah, Hornets big time here. 45-14 over NoCo. This one's a no contest. Stingers up. The Hornets roll. Take number eight, Sac State over Northern Colorado in Greeley, 38-20. North Carolina A&T is at number 10, Delaware. I like Delaware. I think they uh, kind of knock on the door and kick it down for the general audience and the general public out there who aren't quite aware of what this team's about. I, In my opinion, they're a juggernaut. Glad to see them in the top 10. I think they're so well-rounded both offensively and defensively. They'll beat up on A&T here, 35-10. Number 11, Southern Illinois is at Murray State. Yeah, beautiful get-right spot. I think they dropped a 50-burger on Murray State's head here, 48 48- 14 is the final here. I think SIU gets back to ground and pound, taking the shots down the field with some explosive plays. This one's easy. Another no contest for me. The Salukis really need a game against a team like Murray State to get their offense back on track, and they really need to show also that last week in Youngstown was a fluke, that they had their stinker game. If you follow the Salukis, they tend to have one of those every season, then they get the ship righted. I think the lesson was learned. Take number 11, Southern Illinois, on the road over Murray State, 38-13. Texas A&M Commerce is at number 15, Incarnate Word. Yeah, easy money here for the cards, 35-13 over A&M. Commerce isn't very good right now, and Incarnate Word needs to show us that they can not only win against inferior teams, but they can do it in impressive fashion. I think they'll win, but I'm not sure if it's going to be in impressive fashion. Take number 15, Incarnate Word, over Texas A&M Commerce, 31-24. Number 17, Albany is at New Hampshire. 
Yeah, UNH is going to win this game, Kevin, straight up. I think me and you are going to be on different sides here. I think UNH wins this game 30-27. to My upset special of the week, part two. Give me the cats. Love Max Brosmer and company, and I think they sneak Albany. Not me, sir. I like number 17 Albany here on the road over New Hampshire, 42-38. Number 18, Eastern Washington is at Idaho State. Eastern Washington wins this game regardless of who's behind center, 33-20 over, what are they, the Bengals? The Bengals. Number 21, Chattanooga is at Mercer. You're sitting there at 21 right now, so you got to beat Mercer. I think they do 28-24. If you're the Mocs, you can't afford to let Western Carolina beat you twice. The Mocs must start fast and finish the game. I just don't believe Mercer has the defense to stop Chattanooga, nor the quarterback to keep up with them. Take number 21, Chattanooga on the road over Mercer, 35-23. Virginia Military Institute's at the Citadel in the Military Classic of the South. Yeah, give me the Citadel, baby. 23-20 in a field goal. Putting the pigskin through the pipes as time expired. Love this one for the Citadel. Let's get it. Two proud institutions who are both enduring extremely disappointing football seasons. This one will be a war on the field. Somebody has to win, and with honor and at the general, I believe that somebody will be the Citadel. Take the Citadel to beat VMI in Charleston and retain the coveted Silver Shaco 20-17. to That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is produced and co-hosted by Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. And like always do y'all i'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football you play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you until next week so long everybody